Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name's David, team leader here at Woody's, and um, Happy New Year. Very good to see you. I mean, it does feel like 2024 has been here for a while, doesn't it? I mean, it's taking its time, but it is actually the first Sunday of the new year. And I grew up Methodist. Any other people grew up Methodist in the room? And we used to say the Methodist Covenant prayer together on the first Sunday of New Year. Have we, have we got that on the slide? Ready to go? Well, let's say this. Um, it's just a really big prayer. And um, it would be quite easy for us maybe even just to, oh, we do that on the first Sunday. But actually, it's a, it's a huge prayer. So you may even just want to read it and not say it, but um, read it in your own head. But I'm going to say it out loud and you join me if you'd like to. A covenant with God. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. It's a, it's a prayer of radical self-giving. You know, it's kind of really hard to say, you know, put me to suffering. But I guess you could say put me to loving because loving and suffering go together. You know, actually, if you um, form a relationship with someone, if you decide to have a child or um, to get married or or any kind of form of close relationship, you probably, at some level, put me to suffering because there's something about relationship and loving and, and loving and, and suffering go together. And, um, but it's, it's a big old prayer, isn't it? And we pray that prayer at this time of year because very often in the rhythm of the calendar year, New Year is a time of stock-taking, reflection, and prioritizing, giving ourselves to things. And... I don't know about you, but I need to keep giving myself to God. One of the things we say about God is that one of the names for Jesus, we say, the Lord is my shepherd. And um, a shepherd's job is to stop sheep wandering off and getting lost or falling in a bog or getting chased by wolves. You know, it's to try and keep them on, on track and get them fed and watered and all that kind of stuff. And when the Lord is, is, is my shepherd, I think... He, he needs to keep us from wandering, getting off track, getting lost, getting distracted. And um, we, we want to cooperate with the shepherd. And we want to say, we want to give ourselves over to you. We want to let you be our, our Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd is my Lord. I'm giving myself to him. And I'm wanting to submit to his guidance and his way because he knows best for my life. But because we're a bit wayward, if you're anything like me, Sunday by Sunday it can be a great opportunity to offer yourself to God, to recalibrate your life around following Jesus. If you're, uh, if you're a Christian, that's one reason why I think that one in seven rhythm is really helpful. It's a, it's a chance to sort of, yeah, I don't want to wander off from, the, from the, what it's all about. And um, 
We're going to read it in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it to you. Um, I don't know if we've got the module to go on the screen, but the first verses of Romans chapter 12, which is about giving ourselves to God um, and about some recalibration. So here we go. Romans 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And it goes on, every verse, a little pithy saying, a little challenge, a little instruction, something that's really helpful for us. And um, as we start 2024, wanting to give ourselves to God, what a really helpful template it is for us to consider maybe just to go away after the service today and, and read that through again and think hmm what does it look like to consider myself with sober judgment but Romans 12 of course begins with in view of God's mercy and I don't know what your view of God is but your view of God and what he's like and what his kingdom is like will affect how you live your life and how you work out your faith and of course, it's not at all impossible that some of us might think of God as more of a harsh taskmaster or more of a kind of strict judge than a loving, merciful, benevolent, caring, sacrificial father. How we see God will depend how we do it. People who um, feel like I need to kind of get credit with God by working really hard will do life in one way. And, you know, the thrust of the book of Romans, Paul's teaching there, is to say, look, the law that so many of you Jewish people have lived under, well, it shows us what right and wrong is really helpfully, but it, it doesn't really help us to be good. Rather, it makes us feel more ashamed of our failure. And I don't know whether, whether shame's a reality for you, whether you feel like you can't keep the moral code. Maybe you can't even keep your own moral code, let alone... God, you know, but um, Paul says, you know, actually we're in a new economy here where rather than having to earn salvation with wages, rather we have a free gift of God, which is eternal life. And how, and that's an act of mercy, because what is mercy? Mercy is compassion, isn't it? Compassion on those who deserve it and those who don't deserve it alike. I... I I, I love the idea of mercy. I love the framework of it. And I want to live under it. Because I know I need it. I don't keep my own moral code. 
let alone God's. And, and I, I'm in, in, in need of his mercy. And the economy of the kingdom is full of mercy. And when Jesus came and, and lived among us, he showed what mercy was like. He showed it by doing things like healing the sick, whether they deserved it or not. He showed it by including people who were on the outside. He showed it by his generosity and his kindness, feeding people, the, the hungry, and giving to the poor. You know, he, he would show mercy to somebody who was an innocent victim, like the man born blind. Well, he's asked the question, who sinned? This man or his parents were born blind? Neither. But we wish someone to do the works of the kingdom. He could show mercy to a woman caught in adultery. Who is it that condemns you? Neither do I condemn you. It, it, it's the mercy of God. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And where Jesus is, he wants to give mercy to those who know that they need it. And those people who most knew they needed mercy flocked to Jesus. It was the outsiders, the tax collectors, the, the prostitutes, the, the poor, you know, the, 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 those who were sick. They flocked to Jesus. They knew that they needed mercy. And here was mercy that's come to town. But Jesus taught about mercy as well as demonstrating mercy. And he taught, really, that if we've, we've received mercy, we should give it away. It's the response. And um, he tells a very striking parable about an unmerciful servant, about somebody who's been let off by their master, a, a fast, monstrous debt they could never have any hope of repaying. And how this servant then is really... Um, demanding and vicious to a fellow servant who owes him a pittance. He's been shown mercy, but doesn't give it away. Jesus rather says, look, you've been shown mercy. How are you going to respond? Give it away. And one way how we respond to the mercy of God is we give ourselves to him. And that's what worship is. Worship is what we give ourselves to. We give ourselves to what we love. And, you know, the old words of the, of the marriage covenant service were, with my body, I thee worship. And here, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies to God as your spiritual act of worship. And so what does it mean to say, you know, I give you myself, God? I mean, it could be just a formula. The covenant prayer that we pray could be just a formula, but it's worked out. Um, and here, in Romans 12, Paul helps us to unpack what it means to offer our bodies to God as living sacrifices, what it means to show mercy. And, and to respond, rather, to the, to the mercy of God. And he says, consider yourself with sober judgment. Now, don't think too highly of yourselves. Some people in the room ought to think not too lowly of themselves. You know how it is? Um, I think this is a word about complacency and arrogance, not about self-image. And um, there are some people who actually have too low a view of their gifts and their place and their importance. And they've lived under a poverty of self-image. And for you, you need to almost have a reversal of that one. Don't think too lowly of yourself. Others of us may be a bit complacent. We think, yeah, we're doing fine. Yeah, we're, we're good with God. And we, we don't need to do very much with what we're, you know, we just coast along with life. And, and maybe sometimes for us, God says, well, just don't think too highly of yourself. Think of yourself with sober judgment. You've got blind spots. Check them out. See if you can get some help with, with yourself. But um, that self-giving that, Paul's talking about that consideration he's saying do it wholeheartedly God has not held anything back from you give yourself wholeheartedly to him and I wonder if 2024 and this first service this is an opportunity for you if you've not already done so to do some stock taking about giving yourself to God this last week um, 
some of us, Rachel and, and Abby and Tim and Nigel, myself and Hazel and um, who else was there? Claire, she was there too. Matt, Matt, yeah. We, we went away for a couple of nights and, um, and we did a bit of considering ourselves with sober judgment. We did a bit of sharing with one another where we were at, taking our spiritual temperature, saying, this is where I am, this is how I've come through Christmas, this is where I'm looking at the new year, this is the challenges, these are the, the things to celebrate. And we thought a little bit about our congregations as well. Where are we at as a church community? What's, where are we? How are we responding to the mercy of God? What are we going to do with our, our lives as a church family? And we came up with some, some thoughts and plans, which no doubt we'll be wanting to share with you as the year goes, goes on. But maybe it's an opportunity for you to do that too. And I want to just give you a little um, template tool just to think, um, what does it mean to look at myself and give myself to God and find my place in serving him? And, and, and how do we, as a church community as well, find our place in serving him? So if that little slide, that, that shape thing, it's a little PowerPoint, I did it all by myself. I didn't get Claire to do it. Is that going up on the system? I know it's there because it was there at 9.15. Was it? Okay, good. There it is. Look. Oh, it's, got, it's gone all inverted. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there it is. It, it's, it's good. Okay, I think Rick Warren came out with this, but it's nothing to do with me at all. But it's just a helpful template. And it starts off with, as we consider ourselves... Who are we? What is the self that I'm offering to God? What am I bringing to him? I don't know any of you have done personality tests in the room. There's lots of them around. And the 20th century was the year of exploring personality. Who's done Myers-Briggs tests? Anyone? Jane Giles, what are you? Yeah? Okay, so introverted. It looks at things like extroversion and introversion, doesn't it? And, and whether we're feeling or perceiving or judging or thinking, all those things, yeah. So, but you might know your, or who's done the Enneagram? Oh, not so many people. It's quite popular in church circles. I've not done it myself, but it, it, people find it, well, that's quite helpful in working out how I'm wired, how I tick. And there's lots of others out there. But um, it can be really helpful if you know who you are to help you with the people you're doing life with. And for us as a church team, it's helpful to know our different personality types, our gifts, and, and it's helpful in relationships. I don't know, you know, for me, when I got married, I thought my wife was an extrovert before we were married. Then I discovered that she was an introvert. <laughs> you know, um, I discovered when we were married that uh, my personality is one that likes to keep my options open. That's on my Myers-Briggs profile. Whereas Tina's a bit more of a planner, likes to know what we're doing. That could bring us into some conflict, or it could be really helpful. You know, so we've had to explore those kind of things. But when I'm offering myself to God, and particularly within community, what is my, who am I, what am I offering? So here's some things. First of all then, spiritual gifts. What is my spiritual gift? And um, in the New Testament, there are several lists of gifts, which is hard to say if you lisp like I do. List of gifts. Um, but um, we've got a list, list of gifts here in Romans 12. Other prominent ones, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. And here the gifts are, are things that God has given me that I can use. Now, I think, um, when I think about spiritual gifts, some of the gifts I think God gives us are gifts that he gives us when he, he made us 
gifts of God in creation, gifts that the Father, when we're made in his image, we're bearing some of his qualities. And you were born with some gifts. And it's not to your credit if you're a brilliant musician. You know, some people just are gifted like that. Some people aren't. Rob Short, you know, that voice of yours, well, you've worked on it, but there was some innate gift in there. God did the hard bit, right? Um, You know, some people just, they've got a flair with maths. I do not have a flair with maths, but some people have got that. But some people have got a gift around leadership. They really have got something that, that, that they've kind of got that ability to, to influence and call and gather people. Some people, well, anyway, they're there. Some of those gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12, and, uh, in, sorry, in Romans 12. There are other sort of gifts that we don't have when we're born, but we, 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 we seek them. And, and those are often more supernatural gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 gives a list of, of gifts which are called manifestation of the Spirit. They're supernatural things. We don't have them when we're born. We don't just kind of use them at will. You know, I can step up to leadership. One of the things I've found in my life I've often been given leadership roles, really from school days onwards, and I've not always looked for those, but I've found that I can step into them or not. You know, a teaching gift or a being generous. You can, you can be generous at will, can't you? You can choose to be generous or not to. But in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a whole bunch of gifts there, like miracles or healing or prophecy. I can't just heal someone at will. I could pray for someone any time, but I can't just heal them at will. I can't just do a miracle at will. Those are manifestations of the Spirit. But I think in this passage, if we look at the thing about what's my spiritual gift, think about both those things. Think, what are the things that God has put into me when he made me? And am I using those things for his glory or for my glory, or, for, or I'm just not using them at all? And maybe think about those spiritual gifts that are more supernatural. Do I find I have a fluency in these things? Do I find that when I pray for people who are sick, quite often they get well? Or do I find that I have that... Um, that ability to just kind of get some revelation that, that can really encourage and inspire people, that feels like it's not from me, it's from him. So we can discover our spiritual gifts, press into them and use them for his sake. But actually there's a real thrill in using them. It's not about God wanting to get his pound of flesh from you, but wanting you to be really fulfilled. Because when you're doing what you're made for, and when you're partnering with God in his kingdom, it's like an adventure, it's a great thing. Spiritual gifts, what are they? Second thing, heart. What's your heart? And people have a different heart for different things because the heart of God is, for, is vast. It's for our whole planet. It's for everybody in it. It's for creation itself. But different people will have a heart for different things. Some of you will have a heart for creation. You'll think, I really want to be a better steward for the planet right now. Some of you will be a heart for, for something like, um, it might be a, a, an area of, of knowledge that you want to, to teach and press into. Or do you think, actually, I've got a real heart for teaching and inspiring people. My wife, Tina, people don't know who my wife is. Who knows who my wife is? Who would recognize her? Well, about half of you. you know, but we have been married for over 43 years. You know, but uh, honestly, she's a, she was here this morning. But she has a real heart for teenagers. That's why she's not here, because she's out with our teenagers. And though Tina came off the payroll of Woody's um, in December, she still wants to volunteer with teenagers because she has a heart for teenagers. And if we're in a room full of adults and some teenagers there, probably Tina will make a beeline for them. So yes, they were our neighbors and... The son came in to have a chat, and I carried on talking to his mum and dad, and Tina was talking to, he's a young man now, but, you know, that's, she has a heart for those people. It's great to know where your heart is and where that marries with the heart of God and how your heart and God's heart can partner together to see more of his kingdom come. And the third thing, 
You've got to get into shape for the new year, which is why we're looking at this. So abilities. And I don't think that abilities are exactly the same thing as gifts. I think ability comes when a gift is honed. So I mentioned Rob Shaw. Lots of you were blown away by Rob singing at the, our Christmas carol service, weren't you? And people said to me, who was that man? Was he real? <laughs> How much did you pay him? Uh, but um, Rob has worked on his singing. And he's honed and he's, has had singing lessons, no doubt, and, and been trained. And so the gift has now an extraordinary ability because it's been honed. And you might have a, a gift like leadership, but actually you can get better in your leadership and become a more able leadership by your training. So as we go into 2024, I've got a heart and I've got some gifts. But am I as able with those gifts as I could be? Or maybe I am able and maybe I'm not using those things to the level of my ability. Maybe my ability says, oh, actually, you could step up further in using that thing. May, you know, so don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too lowly of yourself. Some of you think, actually, you're not as good as you thought you were. But others, yeah, you are. You know, so what, what's your ability? And then personality. We've reflected a bit on personality already, haven't we? Um, there are personality types. Those things are real. I never want to box people too rigidly by a personality type. I used to think I was a rampant extrovert. Actually, I think I'm much more nuanced than that. And uh, I do need my recharge time as well as my my people time. And, and maybe it changes over a lifetime as well. Maybe our personalities aren't entirely fixed, you know, and that, that we wouldn't grow and develop in different areas. But we do have personalities, and that will affect how we will thrive in giving ourselves to God. And God doesn't want to squeeze, you know, square pegs into round holes. He wants us to find our good fit. And this whole passage, find your place in the family of God, where do I fit? Where does my personality and my gifts and my abilities and my heart find their place. I hope that in 2024 we can work on these kind of things, not just in our private lives and in our pursuit of God as our individual discipleship, but as a church family as we try and find how, God, can we serve your purposes in our city at this time. And, of course, if you have a, a, a personality like um, mine, which likes to keep its options open, and is quite energized by seeing people, you can be used in a, in a particular way. If your personality means that you're a planner and a completer finisher and, and, and structure is really helpful, you can be used by God in a very different way. And the way that I am will frustrate some people. And the way that some people are, <laughs> you know, if it, how are we going to work together? Now, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Abby because... Um, for the last um, year and a half or so, Abby, who's leading on Washington Day, has been serving me as a PA. And actually, I feel like I've been working for her, really. But whatever it is, we're, we're certainly <laughs> working together. And in some ways, we, we've had a similar background. I, I did an English degree at Bristol University, so did Abby. You know, uh, But uh, Abby's personality is, is actually different from mine. And um, for me, it's so complimentary having someone working with me who fills in the gaps that I've got in, you know, who actually is a completed finisher, who, who says, actually, we, this is happening, we really need to be thinking about this. You know, I know Christmas is coming, but the new year will be, so let's get an agenda for our going away, and you, et cetera, that kind of thing. 
And uh, it's also helpful to think about experience. And, and that's a, the last part of the shape profile experience. What is our experience? How are our experiences? So for Abby, Abby had 20 years working as a PA for a consultant in the um, French Hospital, a, a neuro, a brain surgeon, really, Mr. Gill, um, and a um, really eminent, internationally known brain surgeon. She's come down in the world a little bit now. But, uh, <laughs> um, but what she did in, in that role, she acquired some really, really great skills uh, as an executive PA. And so her experience is actually now being used to support me and to support our wider team. And, and, and I see kind of in, in Abby something of that shape. So I think here's, here's Abby. She has a, some spiritual gifts for sure. You know, she, she's professionally wired. She's got a heart for um, worship and, and she loves to use those kind of things. But she has a real heart for, to see God's kingdom come. And, and that's where her heart is. So for her work and heart, even though she'd probably rather be leading worship than taking minutes or trying to organize my diary, the heart inspires the role. And the ability is very real, and she's a very able person, perhaps more able than she gives herself credit for. And her personality, we've already described, is a very complementary part of the team, and her experience is being used for the glory of God. So I'm grateful that I've got an Abby in my team. But I'm really grateful that all of you are in this church, because you too have spiritual gifts you may not fully be realizing or operating in them, but you have them. Ask God to talk to you about that. Ask your friends to talk to you about that. You will have a heart, an orientation, and passion that's for a good thing, that's really going to enrich God's purpose in your life and around you. What is it? How are you going to use that this year? You will have abilities uh, in, in particular areas. And and it might be from the, you know, things that the world values enormously. Or some things the world may not value as much, but it's highly important. And, and we're so grateful for, for people who can do everything well from cleaning this building to managing our finances to preparing our, our preaching or to, what, you know, we, there's so much that people's abilities have got. You have a unique personality. You're made in the image of God, but you will reflect him and you'll find your, your place. And you've had experiences that you've got and experiences to press into to fulfill him. So as we go into 2024, get into shape. Find your shape in serving God. And as you do that, not because it's a coercive experience, but because you've seen his mercy and you've received it, and you're just gladly partnering with him. And you'll have the thrill of discovering what it means for God to really use you as you are meant to be used all the time. And that for you, it's your worship is offering yourself to him. Worship isn't just singing songs. Worship is a 24-7 activity of following Jesus with the whole of our lives. And as we go into communion, I'm going to pray, and then Rachel will lead us into, in, in, in communion as a real act of consecration around that. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you, you are merciful and that your mercies are new every morning and that you don't treat us as our sins deserve, but you are always offering us opportunities to grow and to flourish and to become more the people that you've called us to be. 
And so, Lord, in view of that, in view of your mercy, we do want to offer ourselves to you, every single part of us, mind, body, and spirit. And as we've come together into a place of worship today, may this be a place of offering. May our lives be an offering to you, Lord God. As we place that offering on the altar of, of, of serving you, will you, Lord God, do in and through us what only you can do? Unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Will you come and be with us, Lord God, as our, our, our Lord, our Savior, and our friend? In Jesus' name, amen.